Before I start this sermon, I just want to give a disclaimer, and I don't often do that. Usually I just say what I've got to say, but I want to give you a disclaimer today and let you know that this sermon that I'm about to preach is not perfect. Um, it, it's, it's not perfect, but um, I'm going to do the best I can. And, and I realize that the topic that I'm going to cover today and what the Bible says about mental health is going to be uh, kind of volatile. And I realize that I'm walking a tightrope here, and I know that I'm tiptoeing through a landmine field, and, and I understand that, and that's okay. Uh, but and the reason being is because, because of some of the things I say, there's going to be a certain crowd that's going to say, well, he just doesn't have enough faith. I mean, it's true. And there's going to be a whole other side that's going to say, well, he's steering people away from the mental health you know, care that they need. And, and I understand that too. And, and that's okay. Uh, but I'm still willing to go ahead and tackle this topic. And, and the reason is, is because number one, that that's what God has called me to do here today. Uh, number two, it needs to be done. And number three, I stand confident on what I do have to offer. And that's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, and a testimony that says that there is hope in Christ Jesus. Can somebody say amen? That's what I have to offer here today. That's what I have to offer. Uh, you know, I do work in the mental health field, uh, but I'm just the IT guy. I'm not a certified counselor or a therapist or anything like that. I just make sure that the people that are giving that kind of care have everything available to them that they need to be able to give good quality care. Uh, but I am around it every day. I do work in a mental health facility, and so I see these things. I interact with folks that are suffering from these kind of illnesses. I, I, I am constantly engaged uh, with, with, with this kind of a situation. And I know how vital that the need is in our culture today. And I also understand the stigma that's been put on it. And we, if nothing else, at the church need to be the ones that are willing to break that stigma down. The ones that are willing to erase the, the stigma that, that says that people that are having mental health issues have to hide it or that they're alone. If you don't get anything else out of my sermon today, if you're struggling with some kind of a mental health issue, I want you to know that you're not alone. And I know that, that you've made yourself feel that way probably and the enemy's made you feel that way and probably the world has made you, definitely the world has made you feel that way. And sadly, even the church has made you feel that way. Well, I want you to know today without a shadow of a doubt that you are not uh, alone. You're not alone. Because God is with you, number one. And number two, we as the church are going to do our very best to come alongside you too. Are we going to get it perfect all the time? No. But we're going to try. We're going to try. So first things first, let's just stand for the reading of God's word and let's just cover this thing uh, in, in him. Philippians chapter 4, the Bible says this, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll just let us live that out today. Let us find our rejoice today. Let us put everything else to the side and let us find our rejoice. Let us make the choice to rejoice today. And God, I pray that whatever it takes to get us there, that you would just open those doors, break down those walls, light up those shadows, do whatever it is that you need to do to get us to a place of rejoice today. Uh, God, I pray for those that are struggling today. I pray for those that, that have something with their mind that's plaguing them, uh, that, that, that is hindering their rejoice today. I pray for each and every one of us. And uh, Lord, I also pray for those of us that could come alongside these folks, uh, that could show them some grace and some love and some mercy today, that we would just do that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, give God praise, and you may be seated. 
in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> uh, these are the lyrics to a song that I wrote about 20 years ago when I did that kind of thing. I was going to play it today. My wife even said it sounded good. But for time's sake, I'm just going to read the lyrics to you. I'm staring at these four walls, darkness closing in. Will I ever see the light again? I'm thinking of things gone wrong. The pain is getting strong. Do I even want to see dawn again? But I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on sunrise, but it will never come. It will never come. I'm waiting on sunrise, but it will never come. Every day gets harder. Every mile seems longer. Most minutes I can't even breathe. All the signs I'm seeing, all the songs I keep singing, all this ache right here in me. And when I find the strength to look to the horizon, there is an endless sea of regret and sadness, of apathy and madness staring right here back at me. Oh God, why can't it be? I'm waiting on sunrise. I'm waiting on sunrise, but it will never come. That's dark, huh? It's dark. But that's just where I was as a person at that time in my life. Um, and I know that so many people are in similar situations right now. Because you're trapped in whatever kind of situations you find yourself in and it seems hopeless. And you feel helpless. And, and the whole world seems dark around you and it seems like there's not a speck of light anywhere. And, and I just want you to know that you're not alone in that. That, that, that you're not alone in that. And, and I know that it feels that way, but you're really, really, really not alone in that because I was there too I was there too and and we put this stigma around mental health and and people that are struggling with it and we as the church have to do whatever that we must to break that down and allow people to see the grace of God through us you know they did a recent study and and it just came out a couple of years ago and the study said that people not just Christians but people are more likely to seek help with a mental health issue with a ministry than they are with a health care provider. That's awesome. It's also terrifying. It's awesome because we know that God is healer, and we know that God is helper, and we know that God ultimately is the one that they need. It's also terrifying because we are woefully unprepared for that, church. We are woefully unprepared for that. We, we are totally uh, just not even close to being ready to do that kind of thing. And it, it's just so crucial that we get there. It's so crucial that we get there and that we develop some kind of way to be able to introduce people that are struggling with these kind of situations to Jesus in a way that they can experience him, that they can find their worth and their, their, their hope and their light in him. And, and so once again, I just want to reiterate this, man. If you're facing depression or anxiety or shame or guilt or a phobia or PST of some kind or any kind of psychosis, you are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You know, some of the greatest characters in, in all of the Bible struggled with uh, mental illness. They did. Uh, and, and I can't diagnose them, obviously, but I just can talk about the symptoms that they had. I mean, if you read the Psalms, it's quite obvious that King David was suffering with severe depression. Severe depression. I mean, half the, half the Psalms, he'll start like, oh, why is my soul so dejected? And I cry out day and night, and God, you don't hear me. And then like five seconds later, he's like, oh, praise be the Lord God of heaven in kingdom and come and love and mercy and glory. I mean, if that's not manic depression, I don't know what is. 
I don't know what is. And King Saul was even worse. Dude, King Saul suffered from depression and mania and paranoia and probably schizophrenia. I mean, he was out there. This dude had it tough, man. Had it tough. He was struggling. Uh, Moses struggled with crippling anxiety. I mean, from the descriptions, and you read some papers that have been written about it, Moses struggled with crippling anxiety. I mean, he's sitting there talking to God in the burning bush, and God's like, I'm going to use you to go and set my people free. And Moses is like, can't you send someone else? (laughs) How about my brother? Not me. And his anxiety just crippled him. Kind of like when you're sitting there staring at the phone because you know you need to like call the doctor's office or something and you just can't. Hey, honey, will you call the doctor's office for me? <laughs> and, 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 and Moses is like being told to go to Pharaoh and he just can't. Peter was narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Peter suffered from narcissism, dude. I mean, he told Jesus, like, Jesus is like, I'm going to go and I'm going to have to be tortured by the, by the kings and the priests and I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. And Peter's like, no, you're not. I'll never let that happen. Yeah, Peter struggled with narcissism. Oh, and then we make it to the Apostle Paul. Woo! Talk about a case study, right? Talk about a case study. I mean, you know, he talks about it in 2 Corinthians 12 that he's got this thorn in his flesh. And he has to come to terms with how to deal with it. And finally has to realize that he's never going to be rid of it. You understand? He has to come to terms with the fact that he's never going to be rid of it. But that just by the grace of God, he has to keep on going. And then in Romans 7, he talks about why can't I do the things I need to do? And why do I have to keep doing the things that I mean? It's a battle right here in his mind. It's a battle. I mean, he's struggling with his own mind. He's struggling with his own mind that will not surrender to the things that he knows that God wants him to do and won't allow him to be able to be the man that God has called him to be. But he has to overcome. And then... Even Jesus. Ooh. Now, Jesus didn't struggle with mental health himself. He was God. But he struggled with the stigma of it. See, everybody thought Jesus was crazy. The Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, they proclaimed that he was mad. They said that he was demon-possessed. Even there was one point where his family comes to get him and take him home because they're convinced that he's gone crazy. And so even though Jesus didn't struggle with mental health himself, he struggled with the stigma of it. He struggled with the stigma of mental health. And he had to carry that weight of the judgment that other people had put on him because they thought that he was living out the symptoms of a bad mental health area in his life. So even Jesus understands what that's like. Even Jesus knows. I mean, the king of kings, man, was... You know, was, was labeled as an outcast, was, was labeled as, uh, you know, someone that, that, that you shouldn't be around and go around and do around because he showed some of the symptoms of mental health struggle. And that brings me to me. <laughs> brings me to me. So I, Paul Grider, lead pastor of the Way Church, struggle with depression. And some people will say, oh, well, he just doesn't have enough faith, and you shouldn't speak that over yourself. Man, I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to stand up here and speak truth. Do I claim that, that definition over myself? No. Is it a struggle that I have in my life? Yep. Where's my faith at? Shoot. 
I believe that God the Father spoke the universe into existence. I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is available to me and you and everybody that will ever call on it. And I believe that one day Jesus is going to split the eastern sky wide open and come here and claim his bride. Can you say amen? I believe that with every shadow and, and, and every, every bit of my essence, man. I believe that that's true. I believe it. I believe it so much I've dedicated my entire life to it. I get up in the morning praising the name of Jesus. Before I go to bed at night, I'm praising the name of Jesus. I live every moment in between praising his name, living out the calling that he's put on my life. That's who I am as a person. That's me. And yet, some days... There's a dark cloud that likes to settle over me that I can't get out from under. It's true. It's true. There's a dark cloud that settles down over my life. Makes me feel like that maybe things are hopeless. Makes me feel like that I can't get out from under. Maybe it makes me feel like maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. Doesn't make it true. Makes me feel that way. But you know what? In the midst of that dark cloud, every single time... I call upon his name. And he comes walking out there on the wavy, stormy seas of my life. And he reaches out that nail-scarred hand. And he pulls me free of it and sits me on solid ground and shines his light and his love and his glory into my life every single time. And he's done it a thousand times. And you know what? If he's got to, he'll do it a thousand more. Can you say amen? Yeah, give him a shout of praise for that because he deserves it. He deserves it. And one day will I be healed for all time and never deal with that again? Yup. Yup. Has it happened yet? Nope. That's okay. Because I trust him. He shows up every time. He shows up every time. He never gets tired of me and says, Here's Paul again. He's feeling down in the dumps again. I guess I'll go rescue him. No. That's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. I mean, in Luke 15, it says when he leaves the 99 and goes after the one, that when he gets out there and finds that one, that with great joy he lifts it up on his shoulders and carries him home. Do you think it's going to be different tomorrow? Do you think it's going to be different the fifth time or the 85th time or the 10,025th time? No, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Can you say amen? And every time he comes to get me, he does it with the same joy that he did it the first time. And the last time he ever has to come get me out of that garbage, he'll do it with the same joy that he did it the middle times. Because that's who he is. He doesn't change. He doesn't change like we do. He doesn't get tired of dealing with people like we do. He doesn't burn bridges like we do. He doesn't say, well, I, uh, I rescued him 50,000 times before. I'm not going to do it again. He doesn't do that. That's not who he is. It's not who he is. It's not who he is. He shows up over and 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 over again because it's who he is, man. He's persistent. He's persistent. No shadow. He won't light up. And, 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 and I need to tell you this, man. He is our Savior. He is our healer. He is our everything. And for those of us that battle mental illness, he, he is the answer. But 
this is what I want to be real clear about today. Your journey to Jesus might not be the same as my journey to Jesus. And even, the, even after, your journey with Jesus is not going to be the same as my journey with Jesus. You see, all these things look different. We each have a unique relationship. A unique relationship. But the battle is being waged in us. And so the battle's going to be different for you than it is for me. Listen to this. It's like this. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen because he, because for he who calls you is faithful. If we're going to do this right, it has to be addressed from these different phases. Did you catch that in there? There's three different phases. Body, spirit, and soul. And, and spirit we would translate today as mind, right? So spirit in scripture, when it talks about that in the New Testament Greek, it's really referring to what makes you tick, okay? It's referring to your mind when it says spirit. And what we normally say as spirit really means soul in the scripture. Does everybody good with that? You're good? So we're talking about body, mind, and soul. And for us to be complete in Christ, all those areas have to be addressed. And, and, and this mental health, health issue takes root in all three of those places. Because sometimes your mental illness can be caused by your body. It can. It can be caused by a chemical imbalance. We know about that stuff, right? It could also be caused by an injury. I mean, you know somebody that's ever had some mental health issues that were caused by an injury? They were in a car wreck and they were never the same. They, they, you know, they had a stroke and they were never the same. It can be caused by their body. It can also be caused by lack of, you know, exercise. <laughs> lack of proper nutrition and rest. It can be caused by those things. Mental health issues can be caused by your body. And if we're going to be complete in Christ, that has to be addressed. And that can be addressed by God's powerful healing touch. I mean, he can heal you in one second. We could come up here to this altar. I can bring the elders of the church down. We can anoint you with oil and God can heal you right now. But that may not be your journey. Yeah, man, God, God. We'll do that. God will do that. But we need to address that. But it may be, it may be that God wants to use some kind of medication or therapy to work in your life. It may be. And that's, not, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I think a stigma has been put on that in church. People are like, well, we went to the doctor and I got this. And, I went, and, and we don't want you to be on that stuff forever. You know, we don't want it to be a crutch for you. But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it may, need that you, it may be that you need to launch on an exercise program or do something to get your body in shape. Sometimes it's just that your body is not working like it's supposed to, and that can cause mental health issues. And, and, and so you've got to get the body right. You also have to get your mind right. I mean, your mental health issues could be caused by some kind of post-trauma you know, that you've had. You know, you, you, you could be dealing with a situation that occurred early in your childhood, and God can heal that too. Don't get me wrong, man. We can get you together for a sozo session. We can lay hands on you. We can speak and pray in the spirit over you. And God can heal that right now. Or it may be that you need to be engaged in some kind of therapy. And there's no shame in that either. Everybody needs to talk to somebody sometime. Man, everybody needs somebody to listen. And I don't know about y'all, but we live in a culture to where listening is few and far between. Few and far between. My wife was telling me the other day how there's somebody in this church that's the most active listener that she's ever seen and how they're just such an incredible blessing to whoever's speaking. And, and I was like, you know, I got to thinking about that. That's right. And, and, and what an awesome spiritual gift to have. And we, as the church, we got to open up our ears and listen to people, man. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with mental illness, I just want you to know that you're heard. 
And it may not always seem like that, but we're trying. We're trying. But man, maybe you just need to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to get in a group. Maybe you need to get with a, a therapist of some kind. And that's okay. It's okay. We would love for you to be involved in, a, in some kind of faith-based counseling. would be wonderful. I actually have some cards down here on the, on the trunk that's out in the, in the lobby of a, uh, of, a, of a group in Glasgow called Isaiah 43. It's a faith-based counseling center. One of my dear friends works there. And, um, man, they do good stuff. So sometimes it's those mental things that we need, some kind of past trauma we need to get worked out. You know, some kind of emotional overload that you just kind of need to get worked out. And I'm not saying God can't heal that because I know that he can. But your journey may look a little bit different than my journey does. Now let's get to the part that I know about because I'm not an expert in those fields, you know. Let's talk about the soul. Because sometimes it's not a physical issue. And sometimes it's not a mental issue. Sometimes it really is a soul issue. And that's what I feel like that I have the credibility to speak on today. Because here's the deal. You can try to treat the symptoms of a body situation. If it's a soul problem, it's not going to work. You can try to treat the symptoms of a mind issue. If it's a soul problem, ain't nothing going to work. If your soul ain't right, ain't nothing in your life going to be right. And that's just the way that it is. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and asked for his grace and his forgiveness, then nothing else in your life is ever going to be right. Nothing. That's the most important part. And like I said, that's the part that I can speak on. So let's just start right there. We have an enemy that exists in a spiritual realm. We do battle not against flesh and blood, but against dark powers in high places. And there's only one way to get that right. And that is to surrender yourself at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and be empowered by his Holy Spirit. Yeah, man. This is the part that relies solely on him, right? Solely on him. Because he comes in. And he sets our soul right. And, and, and I want you to know this, that there are demonic forces out there that will try their best to tear your soul to pieces. There, there are. There are demonic spirits out there that will do everything that they can to drag you down to the pits of hell. But you don't have to fall into that mess. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be free of that. And you'll have an opportunity here just momentarily. Just Momentarily. Rejoice. Rejoice always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. And the Apostle Paul is telling you to choose rejoice. He's not saying it's going to be easy. That's why he says it twice. That's why he feels like he needs to tell you again, right? Let me tell you again, rejoice. The reason that he's telling us, this, telling us this is to give us a goal. The goal of your life is to rejoice. And if you can't get there, then there's something that is hindering your rejoice, then that is the problem in your life that needs to be dealt with. I mean, I love what Jared was saying, man. We were made for love. Like, like, like with the first breath that came into his little baby body, his purpose in life was to praise God. And that is our purpose in life. We need to choose rejoice. And if there's something that's keeping us from rejoicing, then that is what needs to be dealt with in our life. Rejoice. I say it again. Rejoice. And you're like, but pastor, I don't feel like rejoicing today. I know. Do it anyway. But pastor, 
Everything in my life is falling to pieces. How can I rejoice? Yeah, that's what we're saying. That no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, then no matter what's going on around you, and here's the kicker, or what's going on in you, rejoice. Choose to rejoice. And it comes back to the soul thing. Because here's the truth. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's going on in you, you have something to rejoice about. Can you say amen? And I know it's hard. And I know some of you are saying, well, I've been depressed, I've been anxious, I just can't do that. It doesn't make you less of a Christian, guys. It makes you a human being. It just means that your struggle looks a little bit different than mine does right now. Your struggle looks a little bit different. But like I said, every single person here's journey is going to be different. But I mean, that's the battle, rejoice or don't, right? I mean, that's the battle. Listen to this. King David, Psalm 42, 11. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? He's speaking to his soul. Soul! What's, what's wrong with you, dude? I know better, but what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Put your hope in God, for I'll still praise him, my Savior and my God. He's talking to himself. Do you get that? Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Praise God. I didn't told you worship God. You know what? I don't even need you. I'm going to praise him anyway. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I look like. Doesn't matter to me. I'm going to praise him anyway. Maybe you'll fall in line and see that we got a good thing going with God here. And I speak to you from a place of experience. I do. I do. Struggle with that sometimes. Sometimes this whole thing gets way too big for me. Right? Gets way too big for me. I need my wife to remind me a lot of times that God is in control and he's got me in his hand and he won't let me go. So I don't slide off the edge. Sometimes I have to say to myself, Paul, we're going to praise God today. And either you can get on board or you can shut up. But those are the only two choices. And I don't know how this conversation between the three different parts of me works, but it just has to work. You know what I'm saying? It just has to work because I've got stuff to do for the kingdom of God. And I don't have time for some Eeyore Christian to try to get in my way and keep me from doing what God has called me to do. I don't have time to feel sorry for myself, you know? I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I got praising God and worshiping and teaching his word to do, man. But it's hard. It's hard. But we got to get it lined up, man. And rejoicing is the answer to do that. I got a lot of notes on this, man. I wanted to get this right. Uh, the next scripture in the, in the next verse in the scripture says this. Let everybody see your graciousness. And, and most translations say your gentleness. Um, but what, they, what the Greek word is really pertaining to here is stability. It's, it's, it's pertaining to stability. When it, when it says let everyone see your graciousness, what it's really saying is have something more stable in your life than your emotions. Have something more stable in your life than your, than your ever-changing mental state. Right? And, and, and a lot of that just comes from habit forming. You know, if, if, if we stand 
on the foundation of God's word and his truth in our life, then maybe we can get to the point where we're not tossed around by every different wind and every different wave that comes our way trying to make us feel or act or do a certain way. And maybe we won't be so affected by the other people that have interactions with us in our life. What it's saying is just be stable. Be, be, be founded in God's word and on his truth and on who he says you are, right? And, and, and let, let, us, let us try to make sure that we're not being manipulated by the world around us as much as we you know, normally find ourselves doing. Because, I mean, it, you know, everything we encounter in our world is just trying to manipulate our emotions, really. You know, I mean, we got all this advertising where these people sit in rooms around big tables and use computer programs and everything to try to figure out how to manipulate our emotions into doing what they want us to do. And, and, and it's constantly a barrage. No, no, it's no wonder that our minds are messed up, right? I mean, it's no wonder. I mean, people are trying to manipulate us every day, all the time. And so one of the things that we can do to try to win the battle in our own lives is just make sure that we have somewhere that's stable, somewhere that's unchanging, somewhere that, that, that we have a foundation that we can refer back to when we're feeling a little chaotic. You know, somewhere that we can refer back to when we're feeling a little messed up and we're not quite sure which way to go, that we can refer back to the Word of God, that we can refer back to the power of God's love for us and His Holy Spirit. And this next piece of this scripture is, is, is maybe the most important part in this whole sermon. It says this, for the Lord is near. And, and so, guys, I, I want you to understand this. I know that when we get in those moments in our life where we're dealing with depression or we're dealing with anxiety or we're dealing with consuming anger or, or we're dealing with some kind of paranoia or phobia or like that, it feels like God is distant. I mean, it does. And, and I, like I said, I'm speaking from, from experience. It feels like in those moments that God is distant. But the Bible speaks to the opposite. The Bible says the Lord is near. And in Psalm 34 and 18, the Bible says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. And, and, and so I, I want you to understand this, that even in those moments where it feels like God is so distant, that those are some of the moments where he's actually the closest and I speak from that from experience too because like I said he's come and rescued me a thousand times and, and I find that those moments where everything seems so dark and he seems so far away that he is right there he's right there and in those moments when you're most anxious and it feels like his voice is so distant man if we can just stop for a minute and realize that he's right there next to us man he's right in the midst of us he'll never leave you he'll never abandon you he'll never forsake you and even if the world thinks that you're too extra to deal with god never does and he'll go out of his way to fight through whatever he's got to fight through to get to you to get to you how do i know because i see it happen in scripture all the time I see it happen in Scripture. The woman at the well was struggling with anxiety and shame and guilt so bad that she wouldn't even go out there in the middle of the day when everyone else did. Because she didn't want people pointing fingers at her and calling her names and she just couldn't stand it anymore. So he went to her when she was there. He made a way where there was no way. He went to where she was. He went all out of his way and took his little Jewish buddies to a place that they weren't even supposed to go just to get to her. He's close. And the demon-possessed man in the Gadarenes, the one that was possessed with Legion, you guys know the story. Nobody else wanted him around. They, they chained him up. They kicked him out of town. They didn't want to be around him. Everybody, like, shooed him out into the wilderness because he was dangerous and he was violent and nobody wanted to be around him. Jesus sailed right through the storm to get to him. 
right through the storm to get to him. Went totally out of his way across that Sea of Galilee just to get over there to where he was. Because when he seems distant, he's close. And when you're in the midst of the biggest trauma that you've ever had in your life, man, he is right there. But sometimes even if he's close, we can't quite get to him. Sometimes even if he's close, we can't quite get to him. You know, there's this guy in Mark chapter 2, and, and he's paralyzed, and they hear that Jesus is in the house, and he can't quite get there. He's close. He's close. Can't quite get there. So four of his buddies put him on a mat, and they carry him up there. They carry him to Jesus. And they can't even get him through the front door because there's too many people in there, and they could have easily went home and said, I will come back another time. No. They climbed up on the roof and tore the roof off somebody's house and lowered him down in there. Right at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we can't get there ourselves even though God is close. So sometimes we need a little help from the people around us. Sometimes the people in your life can't get to him even though they're close. And so they're going to need a little help from you in their life to just push them right over the hump and get them to the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we can't do it on our own. Sometimes we need some help. Sometimes we need to help somebody else. But I guarantee you this, he's close. And if we can get to him... I'm speaking to people that are struggling right now. If you can get to him, whatever it takes, whatever that obstacle in your body or your mind or your soul that has to be removed, if you can get to him, it changes everything. And then for the people in your family and your friendship and your, your, your surroundings that are struggling with this, man, if they can get to him, and it might take a little push from you, and heck, you might have to carry him, but if they can get to him, if they can get to his feet, if they can get past those body, mind, soul issues to get to the feet of Jesus, it changes everything. Can you say Amen. See, I believe that everything that we need is found in God. Supplied to us through Jesus and empowered in us by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. But my journey looks different than yours. And your pathway looks different than mine. And sometimes we just have to be a little humble and a little compassionate and realize that that's going to be the case. The Bible says this, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all under standing will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, we just got to get there. We just, we just got to get there. And we got to get the people we love there. But it takes grace and truth in equal measure. Not too much of one, not too much of the other. But both these pieces of God flowing together into one thing to be able to facilitate this pathway that leads to Jesus. To Jesus. And, I, and, and, and maybe it's your body that's hindering you. That needs to be addressed. Maybe it's your mind that's hindering you and that needs to be addressed. But maybe. Maybe it's your soul. Maybe it's your soul. But all these things can be lined up in Jesus Christ. Not because you try harder. Not because you did better. But because of His great love for you. I wrote a new verse to my song this week. 
goes like this. And when by his strength, I look to the horizon, an endless sea of grace and mercy, I praise him because he's worthy. And he's always there for me. I'm waiting on sunrise and it has finally come. I'm waiting on sunrise, hope came from above I'm waiting on sunrise. It only took three days and the stone is rolled away. I'm waiting on sunrise. He is risen high. He is risen high. Yeah, some of you are going to have to help me put that together. Yeah. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is Micah 7, 8. And the Bible says this. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. So listen, if you don't hear anything else that I have said today, hear this. You are not alone. You are not alone. Alone. And there is hope. There is hope in the Word of God. There is hope in the body of Christ. But more importantly than any of those things, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. I know because I speak from experience, because He's rescued me a thousand times, and He'll rescue me a thousand more. And if He did it for me, I know without a shadow of a doubt that He will. Do it for you. Your pathway to him won't look just like mine did. Your journey with him won't look just like mine does. But the promise is still there. Maybe your body needs to be healed. He'll do it. He'll do it. Maybe through his celestial touch. Maybe through the hands of doctors and nurses. But he'll do it. Maybe your mind needs healing. He'll do that too. Maybe he'll just just touch you and pour his Holy Spirit out on you and set that stuff right. Or maybe, maybe you'll have to get with somebody. Maybe he'll send somebody that's anointed in that way into your life to help you work through those things. Or maybe it's just plain old discipleship, man. Maybe you just need to get locked in with a discipling mentor and, and, and help them sit your feet on solid ground and start to live that kind of a life. And maybe that'll help you get your mind right. God is healer. And he is helper. And he will provide all those things to you. You are not alone. And just because you're struggling doesn't mean that God loves you any less. It doesn't. It doesn't. Matter of fact, my scripture says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That he saves those that are crushed in spirit. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. And those things may happen right now. I mean, he may heal your body right now. I've had him heal. Like, I, I, I had a severe injury in my life that he healed me instantly from. That the doctor said couldn't be cured. I've seen him bring dead hearts to life. I've seen him cure minds right now. I've seen him break the chains of addiction right now in two seconds. I mean, I've seen him do it. And he can and he will. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? He will. And, and, and maybe he'll heal you of those past traumas in your mind. I mean, I've seen people that are healed of those things and let that stuff go. I mean, I, you know, I've seen people lead their abusers to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, man. Praise God for what he does. I mean, he can do that. He can do that. And those things may happen right now or those things may take time. I don't know what your journey looks like. But I know it's beautiful, and I know it's worth it. But here's the other thing I know. If you've got a soul problem going on, he'll heal that right now. 
He'll heal that right now. Because if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never had a moment to where you humbled yourself before the Lord and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He lived and died and rose again. And today I'm asking Him to be my Lord and my Savior and my King and my God and my everything. If you've never had that moment in your life, you're never truly going to be healed. You're never truly going to be healed. Because that's the most important healing that can ever take place. You know, in the book of Isaiah, when it says, by his stripes we are healed, this is the kind of healing that it really means. The kind of healing that can only come from him. The kind of healing where he makes everything right with our soul. There's kind of ways where we can sing it as well with my soul when everything around us is crumbling to dust because we put our faith in Jesus Christ and he gives us his grace. To me, this is the most important part. To, to the Bible, this is the most important part. It all starts right here. So if your soul is tormented today, there is healing for that. your sin has you wrapped up in a kind of darkness that no light in the world can seem to penetrate he's the answer it starts here it starts here then by his Holy Spirit the rest of that healing can flow to the other places in your body You have to start somewhere. Why not start right here? Why not start here?